Sorry, I'll do that intro again now that I've unmuted everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, there's no noise. <laughs> uh, it was probably my, the best intro I've done all season as well, you know. It always is, Phoenix. It always is. Yeah, I know. I know. I felt like a bit. Everybody pissed off and left (laughs) me. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by the rabble that is (laughs) Crowcast. We're so professional. God, if you knew what had been going on in my household today, you would uh, understand what just happened. Never mind, never mind. How's our weekend, guys? Uh, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Port lost, it was hilarious. Oh. One of the highlights of the weekend. Was well, that the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life? Seriously. Oh, they're getting a, they're getting a Cockwobble nomination for that one. Oh, it's hilarious, just hilarious. Look, uh, let's get into uh, the scores without further ado, and uh, I better just play some music. What the hell, eh? Very interesting round of footy. A couple of upsets uh, over the weekend and a couple of uh, teams probably uh, not doing their finals hopes particularly any good. Um, but uh, what did you guys make of it? Um, well, you know, it was a funny weekend in some ways. There were, I think, at least three teams that were down to um, maybe even one, if not two, only interchanges for the rest of the game pretty early and yet they went on to win the game so that was a bit surprising that um, you know the rotations you always think that you know you need your rotations but like Essendon was one example of that, the Giants were another example of that and the Sydney's were, Sydney was another example of that oh, We'll get to it in um, when we do the wrap but I think the Giants actually, the first play they lost actually helped them um, because it <laughs> It, it actually stopped them being so having a defensive forward, and all of a sudden they could they could open up the play there. Um, I think it, it really showed in the the Port West Coast game um, there. But what is so I think damning out of the weekend are the injuries that are happening, um, particularly to those tie, uh, those teams who are you know trying to get somewhere in the finals. There's some really big losses. Um, just uh, reminding people that uh, we're also live on Facebook now and uh, already we have someone from the Riverland and also someone from Los Angeles, Amanda from Los Angeles, tuning in. So uh, nice to see you, Amanda. Thanks for joining us. And uh, proof that the Crowcast is a global phenomenon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, look, let's get into the weekend's results. Uh, We had on Friday night, we had Essendon 18-14-122, Defeating St Kilda 11 goals, 13-79 and keeping their hopes alive for the finals? Well, not a bad game to watch, although St Kilda really aren't a Friday night team because they're not good enough. Um, Essendon always good to watch, I think. Um, Brown from uh, St Kilda, he's going to get a minimum of three. What do you reckon, guys? Three? For that... uh, You'd think, think, Macca, I think. 
Well, apparently when it's uh, referred to the, the tribunal uh, under the uh, gradings that he's been given, three is the minimum that can he, that he can get. So I'd say, I, I reckon he'll get three to four. And that was disappointing to see that particular incident because uh, it was definitely a very, very late, uh, you know, front-on charge. And uh, uh, but to his credit, I think the guy's going to, he's planning on fronting up next week. So hopefully that is the case. But, um, yeah, it was it was not a bad game to watch, but not a Friday night game in my opinion. No, no, not at all. Never mind. Uh, look, Essendon is still... In the hunt, I guess. Anyone think they can sneak in? I'd like to see them in, but um, I think they probably it's probably one one of the games they're going to fall down. That's right at the end. Yeah, probably. All right. Next, we had uh, the old rivals Hawthorne and Geelong fighting it out again. Hawthorne getting up ten goals, eleven seventy one to Geelong eight goals, twelve sixty. So a margin of eleven points in the end. Um, I thought Geelong were going to sneak it in there for a while, but Hawthorne, uh, Hawthorne are just sort of just coasting along nicely, and no one's really talking about them, but they're in good shape. Yeah, uh, they, well, that's true. Um, I'm surprised because I, I don't, I don't th- didn't think their side was all that good, but um, it just goes to show that they're a team. Um, and Clarkson got them playing as a team and getting the best, the best out of them because they're getting a lot of drive out of Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, people think that he doesn't do much damage, but if they, if they worked out what he actually does that resulted in, it's a lot more than, they, than uh, he's been given credit for. Um, but uh, they won't win a flag, but uh, they'll definitely play finals. Oh, I'll tell you what, though, Macca, if they happen to sneak into the grand final against Richmond... They're the sort of team. That could, they're the sort of team. You're right, Nikki. That would, that can get under Richmond's skin and scrap and carry on. And Clarkson's a master coach, and of course, him and um, Dimmer have, have got a connection there. So I don't know. It's an interesting one. Interesting one. They're, we'll have to they're see. the ones. Um, I was talking with somebody a couple of weeks ago about you know, it's kind of like Richmond have been given the, that free run into the grand final, but you know, who else is there? And I, my point was, I reckon Hawthorne is the real smoky. Mm. They're the ones you're going to have to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. Nikki. Um, what else have we got here? We had Richmond, speaking of Richmond, uh, giving the Suns a good old fashioned hammering by 12 goals. Um, Richmond nineteen goals eleven one twenty five to the Sun seven goals nine fifty one and Jack kicking a lazy ten. Yeah. He, he kicked more than um, what is it? Gold Coast's total score. Yeah, he actually uh, beat Gold Coast by himself. Yeah, he, he beat Gold Coast by himself, and the fact that Richmond kicked nineteen goals and it's taken the Suns three weeks to kick nineteen goals. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brad Johnson, on Saturday scoreboard. But that yeah. was that was a very lovely little um. That's a pretty good stat. Start. Went, yeah, that's fantastic. No, never, certainly never bothered to watch that one. <laughs> no, I didn't bother to watch that one too. I have to say. <laughs> Better things to do, uh, and he got given an absolutely shocking handball so he could get his ten. But yeah, let let let's just stop talking about revolt now because the next game is West Coast v Port. West Coast, uh, 
Port Adelaide actually leading from the first siren to the last siren and losing nine goals, eight sixty-two to nine goals, four fifty-eight. Um, West Coast doing it again to Port Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval and uh, in the same spot. In the same spot, and uh, it, the only thing it wasn't chewy, but uh, it was a McGovern, and those McGovern boys have ice in their veins, don't they? Yep. And, uh, I love. I love Simpson's comment after the game. He was asked, you know, was he confident? And he said, no, because you can really kick him like a sandbag sometimes. That was <laughs> not a pretty kick he did. No, but it was straight, and that's the main thing. Um, but, the, um, they, you know, Port in their uh, song they sing after the games on the rare occasions they win, They, uh, they part of it is history here in the making. And my understanding is that this is history in the making in the sense that it's a, a team, it's the first time a team has led... All, the whole of a game uh, up to the final siren and lost after the final siren. That's, that's the first time that apparently that's ever happened. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wondered about that, but it, that is an amazing stat, and hence they're actually this, – this is what we put the cockwomble together for, really, <laughs> was something completely stupid that also made us laugh, and Port are just um, – yeah, no, they've won it for this week because that well, they, is hilarious. They, well, they, they never, ever conceded from the very first, you know, the first scoring shot. They were in front the whole way. Well, the whole, a lot of time, you know, from siren to siren, they were in front just got lost it after the siren. It was the first time that's ever happened. And uh, that goes along with their 119-point uh, record <laughs> loss in the grand final and the first uh, AFL team uh, to lose to the Gold Coast, the first... AFL team to lose to oh, the Giants. Racking them up. They racking are history up. in the making. They're marvellous. They're really marvellous. Look, all, all, all jokes aside, I mean, a couple of things that I noticed at the end there. First, like they just parked the bus. I know they had injuries and all the rest of it, but they parked the bus for far too long. Um, Robbie Gray missed those easy shots, especially the second one there. But Justin Westhoff, after, in that last play... Again, for the second week running, playing for the free kick has played for a free kick. Yes, and the umpires know he do he does it. So if you if you start to get that reputation with the umpires, even if something is there because you are playing for that free kick, they're not going to give it to you. He's obviously now got a reputation with the umps. They just went no. Nah. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, there's such a dour, defensive, cynical club at the moment. And uh, I, I was only thinking today that Port supporters of old, like the, the old Port SANFL supporters, that this club and this team must be unrecognisable to them because it's it, they're, they're nothing like the Port Adelaide that I grew up with. Nothing like it. Well, well they beat they beat their chest and say they are, but they're not. No. My my dad was a Magpies man from birth, you know, and I actually grew up going to every second week. I would go and watch the Magpies play. So they are and have always been a manufactured club. They've never been Port Adelaide to me, and they've also never been Port Adelaide to my dad. Mm. And and he he actually thinks this is hilarious. Yeah, well, it is. Anyway, let's not dwell. Um, we had uh, Collingwood and Brisbane fighting out a reasonably entertaining game. Collingwood fourteen twenty one oh four to the Lions eleven seven seventy three. I reckon uh, the Lions might be just starting to run out of puff after not a bad year, really. Definitely well, the best sixteenth uh, team in the comp. I reckon there has been. Uh, they they play pretty good footy for a team that's sitting at number sixteen. Yeah, because were they only something like seven points down, four points down at half time? Correct. Yeah, 
uh, yeah. uh, pretty close. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, they've got some great youngsters. They've got some good height. Uh, they've got some talent. Uh, it'll be a shame if they lose beams next season. There's a little bit of word around about that. But uh, I think they're in good shape. And with Fagan there and Hodge sort of in the background, uh, there's a lot to like about Brisbane. And I think they're going to shake it up next year. I really do. Yeah, they'll definitely rise. Um, then we've got uh, the Kangaroos just going down to the Bulldogs, and that could be costly for them and their finals hopes. Uh, the Western Bulldogs, 13 goals, 14.92 to the Kangaroos, 12 goals, 13.85. Um, I didn't see the game myself, but how the heck did they lose to the Bulldogs? Well, I, I did watch it, and it was a terrible game to watch, quite frankly, uh, because I don't like either of these two particular teams, and I don't reckon either of these two teams play attractive footy. But, uh, uh, well, they lost it basically because they, uh, I thought they got outworked by the Bulldogs in the second half, as simply as that. Um, I, don't, I didn't think they worked hard enough. Do you see it, Nick? No, it was at the SNFL. Ah, well, but watching, yeah. watching the scores and going, ooh, this is interesting. Yeah, what the hell. <laughs> um. What else have we got them? Oh, another team that's uh, not doing their finals hopes any real joy. Uh, Melbourne getting done by Sydney. Sydney thirteen goals nine eighty seven to Melbourne ten goals eighteen seventy eight. Bad kicking by Melbourne and uh, Sydney just hanging around. They don't really inspire any great confidence, but they're not going away. Well, I wanted he, to. Heaney be... was epic in that last quarter down back, and that mark. Oh, that was good. Probably the mark of the year, I reckon. It's going to, I mean, there's, there's going to be many, many good uh, good nominations for the mark of the year, but that one was a terrific mark. It was just him and another guy, and he's gone so high. He's gone on the guy's shoulder, then gone up again and gone over him. Yeah, Hogan, who had yeah. a dog of a game. Why can't Hogan play like that against us? He plays <laughs> a stinker, absolute stinker. But um, no, I, Melbourne don't have, at this stage, the temperament. Uh, to go a long way in, if, even if they do make finals. They they have the ability, but they don't have the temperament, in my opinion. And I think uh, next year they're going to be a very, very good side. But um, I you know, I was very pleased at Sydney at one because Melbourne, I'm hoping that Melbourne don't even make finals because the lower they finish, well, the better the pick we're going to get um, when yep. we get their first-round pick. So I barrack against Melbourne all the time. But uh, I have to admit, they have got, a lot of good players, and I think next year they're going to be a very good team. But Sydney, they know nothing but to try, and uh, yeah, that's, that's what really won it. That's what really won it for them. I, I think the problem with Melbourne is what we've been talking about for quite a while: is they've got a lot of very good players, but they don't know how to win hard. Um, GWS, we've finally seen they've that switch has finally been switched. They can start to do it. They can dig in, and, and they do smart play when they're being challenged, etc. Melbourne still can't quite do that, I don't think. Mm. Um, well, let's face it, it's their first year in contention for quite some time and they've got some blokes in there that haven't been in uh, contention before at all. So, they've, you know, um, they'll be around the mark. They've got a good team. But it'll be interesting to see if they if uh, they hang on to Hogan. Hogan's playing like a bloke who's, who's on his way out, to be honest. Yeah, and with the, the things that's like happened externally to his life, I mean, it might be one of the best things for him is to actually go back home and be um, closer to family and friends. So we, we don't quite know um, what's going on there. 
But we do have to mention we absolutely feel for um, Johnston doing his sixth, possibly sixth knee injury, which is just shocking. Yeah, I I was going to mention that too, Nikki. That that was very, very sad to see that. And um, I mean, this is only his second game back, and uh, he played a lot. He played a very good game last week in his first game back, and. Uh, he thought, well, he's finally going to get a run in it and bango. It's his good leg that went on him. It's surely that's uh, got to be it. No, he's, he's, he's actually has had them on both knees. Um, oh. I, th- I think his first one was on that leg. Um, I oh. think that's what he said afterwards. He's, yeah, I've just done it like I did my first one. Oh, okay, because the, the, the Sydney guy talking about it said that it was on his good leg. So uh, Yeah, well, it's probably on the one that he hasn't had a lot of trouble with. Of late. <laughs> yeah, um, and just on that, uh, you know, Bernie Vince uh, in the VFL, apparently he's done his ACL um, and he's uh, out of contract at the end of this year, so that might be it for Bernie too. Well, he'll be back to selling houses full-time. <laughs> you reckon? Well, that, that's what he's got in Melbourne. That's his job. Yeah, Okay. Uh, where are we at? We're at uh, oh that last game. God, Fremantle fifteen eleven one hundred one to Carlton <laughs> ten goals twelve. I, I came 72. out of the SNFL game. Who cares? No, I came out of the SNFL game. Check the scores. Went Carlton were in front. Well, very glad I, that got me a bit of money, uh, Nikki, because I can't, <laughs> I cannot believe the bookies because Carlton in front at half time. I got a dollar ninety eight on Frio to win. Oh, you're and, kidding uh, me! No, dollar ninety eight with Carlton. A dollar seventy something. Don't be silly. I'm telling you the truth. Oh my god! Yeah, got a dollar ninety eight. So I just thought taking money. Silly Mrs. Mac, Mac. <laughs> yeah. she, she'd gone out to get tea for us, and uh, when come back, I'd have made, I'd have paid for it. Nicely <laughs> <laughs> done. So that leaves us with uh, an interesting ladder. Um, Richmond away on top, West Coast away in second. Then we've got GWS uh, in third. Hawthorne moving up to fourth on percentage. Collingwood uh, equal on points as well as Sydney equal on points. Uh, Melbourne and Port Adelaide hanging in there on 48 points. Geelong 44 out of the eight with North Melbourne and Essendon. Probably the only... Three teams out of the eight that can make it, and uh, Port and Melbourne, uh, they're in a bit of strife. I I wouldn't mind betting that Geelong and Essendon sneak in there, you know. Uh, the Crows, as we'll talk about in a moment, we're done at uh, 40, then Frio, Bulldogs, St Kilda, Lions, Suns and Carlton. How the hell the Lions aren't above St Kilda's got me stuffed. Well, they've just lost narrowly in a lot of, a lot of uh, games where they played very well. Yeah, that's very true, but uh, my God. Yeah, you'd say on form, even though they haven't won more games, you, you would say that Brisbane is the better team. You would think oh, they're so. a team, and they've got a, and they're a team with a future. There is, um, Phoenix said earlier, they've got a lot of good young lads there, and uh, it was a very smart move getting Hodge there to be a general uh, in the background or and on the field with these boys, um, and. Uh, they're getting they're getting groomed for next year, and I think you know they'll, they'll definitely rise up a few spots next year. And they, if they keep drafting as well as they have, uh, they do have a future. Unlike their the other team up there. Yeah. 
All right, well, without further ado, let's have a listen to uh, (laughs) this music again because it's appropriate again. Get ugly. Damn, that's ugly. (laughs) Oh, what are we going to do, eh? Seriously. We're now going to look for towards 2019. Yeah. As as Pikey said. Let's do that. Um, For those who've been living under a rock, it was the Giants 15 goals 16-106 to Adelaide 13 goals 14-92, a margin of, um, what's that, 14 points in the end? Yeah, 14 points. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. Well, while it was, while it's true in the, in the sense that it's our usual third quarter efforts where we let ourselves down, uh, as I said to you off air, Phoenix, in a way I was, I was pleased to see that we lost and put an end to all this bullshit about uh, dreaming that we're going to make finals. Um, at least we can stop talking about that now and prepare our team for next year. And, um, you know, it wouldn't upset me if we didn't win it. Um, well, we certainly want to win the last one against Carlton, but... If we even if we lost next week against North Melbourne, I, that would not bother me either. As long as we um, start planning for the future, and uh, are we going to though? Know, do you reckon? Do you reckon we will? Well, I, I bloody will hope. Yes, because so. I, I know who was sitting at the SNFL game today. Who? Okay, Nikki. What, what what sort of thing would you think might happen then? Well, because when you got Justin Reed actually sitting and watching an SNFL game, he often doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sitting next to Pikey, and they're having quite a few little discussions. I, I think there were some discussions around uh, players that are out playing in the SNFL. Very much so. I, I was really disappointed that Ben Davis actually got um, an injury today because he's one of the players I'd love to see what he can do in in an AFL team. Yeah, that's yeah, that's disappointing, isn't it? Um... Yeah, and and he was in a moon boot um, for the second half. Did I, did I see somewhere uh, that Fogarty played full back? Yes, he did, and played really well. Did he? Oh yeah, the um, Eagles have a really—I'm trying to remember the name of the bloke—but a really big, strong um, full back. And we didn't have any other bigger bodies, so they put Fogarty down there, which is great learning for him. We know he reads the play beautifully. He was consistently outmarking that bloke or putting the body pressure on, which they really didn't like because we know how Fog would just, you know, run through them. Mm. Um, they really didn't like that, but he did it brilliantly. He made them drop so many marks and things like this. He played really well. Back to the game in question, though. Um, it, to me, it revealed a. a uh, quite a few things, really. I, I just thought that Texas' game was terrible. Uh, if he does get suspended for a game or two, well, that's no sweat because um, on form, he, he doesn't even really, in my opinion, he doesn't even deserve to be in the team. Yeah, but he uh, doesn't doesn't deserve to lose a game for that because he let go of the player. He actually mm. did his duty of care. No, he I didn't disagree. Have, he, he didn't have his arms pinned. He, can't, he couldn't do anything because they're both turning when he tackled. And as soon as he saw he was going down, he let go of him. Hmm. I agree well, with, everything. I agree with he, that, Nick. He did what he was supposed to do in that situation. And I have to agree with Paul Seisman. The fact that, you know, another umpire's come in and changed a ruling 
because a player got injured. Yeah, one umpire That's play, had played on holding the ball. The closest play, the closest umpire yeah. played holding the ball. It was the one further away who saw he was on the ground. And went, no, nope, we got to give a free kick to him because he's got his, he's got a sore head. I agree with all that being incorrect. The only thing I, I uh, the only concern I've got with the way that um, Tex did uh, sling him was the fact that by the time he released his arms, there was no hope of him getting his arms out. No, his arms were already out. Do you reckon? Yeah, yeah he, only had, he only had one arm to start off with, and even then, that got let go very early. The the problem with it, as I saw it, Nikki, is that there were two motions. There was a definite slinging motion. Um, no, there was a turn. There wasn't a sling. Well, what one, what they class as a sling, and what they've shown as examples, that wasn't it. Well. If you have a look at it, um, Tex makes a tackle, and then he also makes an effort to throw the bloke to the ground. Um, it's not a it's not a, a sling uh, in terms of the definition for the for, in terms of the rules, but there was a there were definitely two actions in Tex's tackle, and I think that's what's going to do him in in the end. Yeah, I, I think he's in trouble, and I think he he will get well. To me, I think one would be adequate, but I think it would probably get two. Yeah. But anyway, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter because, as I said, um, he, he, his game was very, very poor on the weekend. Um, two touches in the first half, and I think it was four in the second. And when, you, when you know, you're the leader of the tribe and that's the example you're setting, it's not a very good one. No, have to agree, Maka. Have to agree. Let's I, go. I, th- I think we've, um, as Simon Wally said, off to surgery early preseason. That's what he needs. We know he's not playing right. Yep, agree. Well, well, I totally agree. Yep. Look, I think we just got outplayed when the game was there to be won. To be perfectly honest with you, um, I, I felt like uh, when the game stepped up a gear, and and you know, typically in the third quarter, uh, we've had trouble this season, and I think. Uh, a lot of it's to do with belief. I honestly don't think that this squad actually has belief. And uh, every time a team turns up the wick a bit uh, against us, uh, we go into our shell. And as we go through the stats uh, this evening, we'll see it again. Um, but uh, we, we just didn't have any answers when uh, GWS turned it on in that third quarter. What do we do at half-time? Have a beer and a cigarette or something? We always go in at half-time. And we come, we come out, and when there's no intensity in it, we come out and the, the, the and we can be. They going. They, re, they did restructure as well, though, because of um, how well we kind of counted and controlled that play in that second quarter. The second quarter was really good, though. We've got to talk that quarter up, um, and of course, you get that break to for the opposition team to restructure, etc. But I do think it was very much that as soon as Reed. Um, went off and they stopped having such a negative or actually two, they were having, no, it was mostly just him, um, a negative forward. It meant they could go back to being so much more proactive, whereas we had turned Murphy into keeping Minder onto, I think, Whitfield. Um, Eddie, we were playing up higher, so he was actually more, his job was actually to keep Shaw out of the game. So... I think we kept with our defensive forwards. They just went and played to their high level of skill because they're high level draft picks, and, and it showed. Just interrupting. Mrs. Mack has just handed me a note saying, 
Pardon my lens, but our fucking letterbox has been stolen. <laughs> Who did that? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's concrete, concrete into the ground. Oh, that's funny. Did did Mrs. Macker actually write that? Is that what she said? Yeah. She just handed me a note with it. Yes. <laughs> oh, you guys make me laugh. I swear to God. <laughs> Oh. Anyway, stop interrupting the bloody show, Mrs. Macker. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go through some head head stats. Um, look, uh, three forty six to three forty disposals uh, GWS over Adelaide, so it's pretty close. Um, normal kick to handball ratio by us. Um, GWS outmarked us eighty one to seventy nine around the ground tackles. They certainly out tackled us eighty two to sixty five. Uh, Source won the hitouts, but you wouldn't have known it. Sixty-three to forty-four. I, I felt like his hitouts were fairly ineffective for a, a vast majority of the game. Um, look, uh, where are we? Clearances forty-one to thirty-nine. We won those, but we had a terrible patch uh, during the game where we just couldn't get our hands on the ball again. Uh, inside fifties were even. Um, look, to be honest with you guys, I. There's problems to me when uh, when the game's there to be won, as I as I mentioned previously. Um, I don't know whether you noticed it, Macca, um, but I, I, I certainly did. I, I noticed that when when the whips are cracking, we just go missing. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's true. Um, we're actually the converse of Sydney, I reckon. You know, um, when when their backs to the wall, Sydney really dig in. Um, and unfortunately, when GWS applied a greater level of pressure in the third quarter, we were we were missing. Yeah, there's How no doubt about it. And we looked soft. What do you think, Nick? Oh, for me, it was once again it was that midfield, that lack of defence, uh, because it was those players running through, and it was our midfielders just not being so accountable. And and I think that's where that. Um, what you just talked about then, Phoenix, that that desire, that will to get in and under and really clog it up, turn the game into a scrap so we can get it back how we want it to be, mm. that's where we go missing. It's yeah. in that part of the ground. And yet we've got players like Sloan and, and Crouch. Actually, I thought Crouchy had a decentish game. Um, oh, I didn't I like his scathing. game at all, actually. I, I was quite skating against him the other week, whereas I thought he was a bit more proactive. I didn't this mind week. Him, Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. He's up and down for me. Um, but they're, they, they, they're the ones who should be doing that, and that's where it's falling down. Well, yeah. I thought also that um, I, I was a little bit surprised when I looked at uh, – uh, I saw CEY going for the ball in the third quarter, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I did see him get the ball in the first quarter, but I'd completely forgotten about him and <laughs> – and I said, I said to the missus, is he playing? Um, I thought he had a very poor game, see why. And uh, on top of that, you know, I know he only got 61% game time. Mm. And I think that may be reflective of, of the way he was playing. But um, uh, I also noticed that Greenwood only had 61 Why are you going through individuals, Macca? You've been doing this show now for two years. <laughs> no, and you know that we talk about team stats first, and then we go into individuals. 
But I'll talk. I'm going. Yeah. Okay. Just because your bloody letterbox is gone, um, I don't I'm know little, whether he's confused. I'm a little bit at sixes and sevens about the bloody yeah. letterbox, you know. No, it's um, just old age, really. Um, I don't know whether either of you have got access to our um, Facebook coverage at the moment, but I've just chucked a few graphs up there. Um, the stat tracker was in fine form on Saturday night. Um, and what it shows, once again, is our inability to get hold of the ball through at periods of the time. Um, you can correlate uh, the score dipping... Uh, after half time with a severe drop off in our disposal count uh, both um, you know uh, by hand and by foot uh, and uh, again our uncontested possession we it didn't go through the roof like it did the other day um, but it was we certainly try to keep uh, keep keep possession of the ball when we're under the pump we don't we we, we don't go out on any limbs anymore if you know what I mean. We're not aggressive with our ball movement. Well, yeah. uh, we're certainly not. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just thought that uh, you're quite right. We we were trying to hang on rather than make, trying to make the play. Yes. And, um, that's my, I think that's my point, Maka, that, that we definitely, definitely try to hang on. We, when it... We seem to be we seem to go alright when uh, when we're matching it with the opposition, but whenever the the opposition turn up the heat, um, we don't seem to have the ability to go with them at the moment. No, we don't, and, and we just keep trying to hang on, trying to hang on. Somebody makes an error, somebody does a bad kick, and results in a goal, and then we go through the, the process again and again until there's a break or something like that. But. Uh, um, Good sides can actually hold it and hold it and then turn it around and then, then start pouring the heat back on them. And uh, we're just, well, in fairness to our to our players, a lot of them had very interrupted seasons and I, I guess that's uh, reflected in their efforts. But um, the way we played this particular game, I think, was typical of our season. Now, you guys keep talking for a minute. I've just got to step away from the mic for two seconds. Hi. Uh, <laughs> All right, Nikki, what do you want to say? <laughs> For once I'm like, oh, I don't want to say anything. Um, no, and, well, can we actually talk about that that second quarter? Because I really enjoyed how much we controlled that play. Um, our, de- our defensive setting up there was so well done. Um, we really stopped them trying to get that outlet out. But the, the problem is at disposal into the forward 50, I mean, Eddie did a shocking one, and that's Eddie. Yeah. Um, PJ Crowes actually makes a very good point too, is the fact is that when the ball hits the deck, the deck last year, we had Cameron Betts and Knight, and at times being uh, electric off, uh, hitting the deck and, and scooping up the ball, whereas we don't have anybody that's really, uh, in, in, particularly in our forward line, that can do that at the moment. And uh, Eddie's... Well, well, he's well off the pace at the moment, and in uh, uh, Lynch, Lynch, well, not a bad game for Lynch. Lynch started all right, but then he made some yeah. critical blunders in, the, in when the whips were cracking. Um, yeah, and uh, te- teams are also very mindful about keeping those players away from our forward line, though. Yeah, I just I've noticed to, that this year. I want to talk about our centre clearance and our centre setup for a minute. 
Um, and the reason is because there's a there's a nice Essendon supporter that posts some um, some midfield starting stats. It's a very unusual stat that he posts every week. I don't have you guys seen that? No, no. So what no. he does, he he basically analyzes who starts where at every centre bounce, right? So I'll just read you these, and I've got the clearance numbers up on or the chart up on uh, the the stream on Facebook at the moment. But uh, in the first half, we had um, Sloney uh, and Crouch dominating in the middle, 10 and 9 uh, centre bounces they started at. Greenwood had started at 8, uh, Ellis Yeoman at 7, and Douglas at 6, uh, Gibbs at 5, and then also 3 on the wing. And we had Atkins and McKay uh, predominantly starting off the wings and starting off, off the back end. In the second half... The the notables were that Douglas uh, spent a bit more time uh, in the middle, but Greenwood only started at three centre bounces after half time, and CUY only six after half time. Now, if you have a look at how our uh, centre clearances uh, stacked up after half time, they went through the floor after half time. Our centre clearances, yeah. yes, because we were well in front at half time. Yep. And we were behind by the end of the game. Yep, so we were um, uh, plus six around half-time in centre clearances. And by the well, probably a third of the way through the last quarter, we were back to even. Um, and we ended up uh, one down. But the trend line of our centre clearances goes south. And then when you match it up with those statistics uh, that that, uh, uh, that person has posted here, it ties up quite succinctly with uh, Ellis Yolman and particularly Greenwood being absent from centre square um, setups. Now, is that by design or is that just a, a, a result of, of rotations or, or what's going on? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, can't, I couldn't work it out because, as I said, I picked up the C while I wasn't in the, in the, in the midfield. And when I looked at the stats later that... Uh, it had confirmed that Greenwood wasn't really in there very much either. And why that is the case, I don't really know, because at least they can crash packs and they can actually work very hard to get the ball. Um, the one that we really lack in that centre um, square is somebody with electric, electrifying pace to break away. And um, a decent Ruckman? Well, yeah, Sauce did, he had a lousy year, there's no doubt, by his past standards and whether that's going to be where he... We, the best he could do these days, I don't know uh, whether he's perhaps he's been battling injury all through the. I know he had that back problem. Maybe he's still having it. I don't. I don't know. But um, if that's the best he could do, it's not good enough because um, if that's what we're going to have to put up with next year, well then we're not going to go that well because um, it, yeah, with Source might might have had a lot of tact, but there, there weren't that many to advantage. I don't think anyhow. Well, I mean, it's a it's a crazy stat because our hitouts were um, plus nineteen over GWS, and yet, you know, as we've just mentioned, our centre clearances were were rubbish. Um, our stoppage clearances weren't much better, um, and how how Source was able to get such an advantage in terms of raw hitouts, and yet lose. Uh, uh, the ascendancy in the middle, and also just just the didn't even pass the eye test as far as I was concerned. It, it looked ineffective. Well, I did see yeah, the stats, no. stats were effective uh, hitouts, 
uh, somewhere. And I think while while we were plus nineteen for uh, in for hitouts, I think we were only like plus two or three for effective hitouts. Mm. Now is so, that down to source or is that down to setup? Setup. Don't know. We're um, getting often what it is though is he's being told to tap it that close in. So he's winning it, etc. He's tapping that close in because we want to turn it into that closer um, kind of thing. We're not spreading well enough. Teams with those faster midfielders, they can get that quick handball out and all of a sudden somebody sprinted it and you've got a Crouchy trying to chase him. Yeah, that's, he's not going to catch him. I'm glad you used that word there because that's one of the things I did want to raise. The ability of GWS to spread, whether that be in, in the centre of the ground when the, at, at the hit out, or whether it be once they're going forward into attack, when that's one of the reasons why they scored easier than we did because of the fact that um, we when we go forward, I, I, at one stage there, I think it might have been in the third quarter, I was looking at where we were kicking the ball to. There's about like 20 players where we're kicking the ball to. Surely players can run sideways and spread out and take a player out there with them. And uh, I, I don't know whether we're lazy or whether we're just stupid. We all congregate in a great big lump. Whereas yeah. when we, GWS went into fairly open forward line. Yeah, well, um, uh, one thing that's noticeable uh, defensively for us is the fact that we're playing a lot higher um, than we have uh, previously. And... Um, <laughs> We don't seem to be playing a quarterback, and we just keep getting done over the back. It happened against Port as well. We were getting done over the back, and, and it wasn't until they sort of reset um, and set it up a little bit deeper after half time against Port that that was um, avoided. But uh, we, we did again, and I, I think we really suffered because uh, of Talia's absence. Um, we looked a little bit undersized there um, down back. But uh, I, yeah. again, it's a, it's a, it's a structural thing as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't actually see why we were playing so high. Yeah, can't argue with you because um, that is how we played against Port, and um, as you say, no quarterback uh, to to mop up anything that gets past there. And uh, yeah, you, you pay the price for it if it does get past there. And then, I mean, Pikey made that comment that. Um, we are playing a higher press, and it's worked pretty well. He said occasionally you'll leak a goal or two, but he says that's um, it's what how you see it overall. And uh, well, <laughs> I think it leaked more than a goal or two. Yeah, look, our other stats were all right team wise. I mean, we won the marking contest. Um, we won contested marks. We were even on uh, marks inside fifty. Um, you know, our pressure stats were reasonably solid. I mean, we were plus or minus on uh, only one or two on, on most pressure stats, except for our tackle number. Our tackle number was um, well below par. But it seems to me that we had just as much of the ball uh, as GWS. But then, uh, again, for those people looking on Facebook, if you have a look at the, t- at the territory number, we ended up being um, what were we uh, minus eight eight hundred ninety one, so nearly nine hundred meters gained less than GWS, and yet we we're basically level at half time. So we just, whereas the game appeared to be played for large periods of the time in our forward half in the first half, um, yep. in the second half, we, we were nowhere near it. 
Well, it was mainly uh, down there in the third quarter there for a very large portion of that third quarter. Yeah, well, even in even in the last quarter, uh, the trend continues to go south in the territory stat. So, to me, it, it's a situation where we've got some serious issues with our with our centre setups. We've got some serious issues with our forward fifty entries. So it just it's horrific yeah. watching the ball going into forward fifty. We're so inefficient. We lack any sort of imagination. We lack any sort of cohesion. Um, the amount of times I saw JJ and Tex in the same place, that just shouldn't yes. happen. It shouldn't happen between your two key forwards. That's the point I'm talking about spreading. And, and really, you know, there's, there's a whole half an over you can spread, uh, you can run around and go to different positions. And if they don't go with you, well, then you're obviously the next lead. But if they go with you, it makes it easier for uh, the players that you've left behind. Um it's pretty logical, isn't it? I think the one thing, and Macca, uh, I don't know whether I'm on the money here, but to me, our forwards lead um, to get the ball, but I don't feel like they recognise the value of leading to create space. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah. And, and JJ, I think, is a big culprit. I think if he will only lead in order to get the ball. He doesn't seem to have the the capacity to lead, to get out of the way, to create a hole. Um, and often, where the hole, like when you're kicking the ball into forward 50, you, you basically want to be kicking the grass as far as I'm concerned. And in our, if you look in our forward 50, there's, there's barely a, a blade of grass available to kick to. You're always kicking on top of people's heads. Hmm. Mm, and, no and I think that that does come down to the fact that he he's a basketballer. He's not a footballer. I mean, I've, I've been really impressed with his year so far because he's fixed up some other stuff. So if we could teach him to do that next, you know, that, that'd be even um, better. But uh, I, I think that's partly where it comes down to that. He just doesn't have that nous of that, as you were just talking about, that lead to space back out and back in again. I know some people talk about... Um, in the chat, getting rid of Gov, you know, so we could move up the, the draft order, et cetera. But that's something that Gov does. Gov will do those multiple leads and yep. he will create that space. Um, so he's, we need that in our forward line. What, what worries me is that we don't appear to, um, there, there's such a disconnect between our midfield group and our forward group. And it just, that surely has to be, um, a coaching issue. Surely it does. Yeah, oh, yeah. I want to argue about it. You know, in the chat they're talking about the fact that, you know, the, the guys that we lost with the pod from defence and Teague from the forward line, um, you know, Teague, obviously, um, very, very, very good forward coach and he had us uh, with a very good setup. Um, and uh, Pod's done a great job with our defence and... Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to bag the blokes that are currently there, but um, you know they may be in the, the throes of learning or something like that. But um, they certainly, well, the results aren't the same, are they? I don't think no, so. No, and for me, I think it's more there's a lack of co- that lovely word of cohesion between the midfield and the forwards. That's that's the problem. But um, even um, I said to Macca whilst you had to, to pop away, Phoenix, that when you have Eddie ballsing up a kick into the forward line, you know there's trouble. Yeah. 
Um, oh, look, I don't give me started on any, to be honest with you. Sorry, on any? Yeah. He's, well, he's actually in the doldrums at the moment. Well, he, well he's, he's, not, he's not earning his spot at the moment. Well, he's a senior player, Macca. You know, he's a senior player. And uh, I don't. I know he's playing a forward role, and I know that's a difficult role to play, and all the rest of it. But uh, senior players shouldn't be playing. Like, and he's not the only one. Richie Douglas is another. And look, let's go through um, some stats um, because they make for interesting reading. Matty Crouch, uh, thirty touches, eighteen kicks, twelve handballs, um, five marks, three tackles, uh, three inside fifties, four rebound fifties. Um, look, he went uh, at 63% disposal efficiency with 13 contested possessions and 16 uncontested possessions, uh, seven score involvements and five intercepts with eight turnovers. Um, I, like I said, I, I I was a bit nonplussed with, with uh, Matty's game, to be honest with you. Uh, well, it wasn't a dominant game. I wasn't un- un- unhappy with his game. I, I think that if everybody had... Worked as hard as he does, I think we would have gone a lot better. Oh, I'd uh, never, never doubt his work rate. I'd, he that's just, not he in just question. felt to be, to me, he felt to be a lot more proactive. And that whole thing there of the more kicks and the handballs, that's normally reverse for him that we've seen. So him going back to having those more kicks than handballs, that's him being a bit more proactive. Um, and it seems to be him being a bit freer. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy with his game. I mean, yeah, it was, it wasn't a great game. Um, like we've seen him do, it, there were some faults to it in terms of some of his defensive actions and stuff. But it was, it was the proactive part of it that I quite enjoyed seeing because we haven't seen that for a while. Yeah, that, look, that's probably true. Um, he, he actually worked quite hard in the second half. Uh, he got quite. Uh, Busy in the second half. I felt like in the first half he was uh, a little bit in the doldrums. Um, yeah, a little bit. But he, he's one of the ones that actually lifted after half time. Well, he didn't have a stat in the first half. I didn't have a clearance in the first half. Not one clearance. Stoppage or centre clearance. Not one clearance. No, yeah. that was it. Was Sloney? He was being held on to a lot though. There he, was, oh, was he ever? Oh, yeah. I, the, the, this this pissed me off about the game. Was I thought the umpiring was in some respects consistent both ways um, for some things, but the ticky tiny touchwood holding for forwards that was occurring, and then you see the blatant grabbing and throwing away that happened a couple of times, particularly on Crouch. Oh, play on, not a problem. Yeah, no, can, if, can... if it's holding in the forward line, it's holding there as well. doesn't can... matter what part of the ground it's on. It's holding. I remember one you're talking about, Nicky, where Crouch was physically thrown away. Yeah. <laughs> and never even got a free. But uh, uh, I know I, I thought he, he they, they really did make a point of trying to um, cut him out the game, but I thought that's why I was pleased with his game, that he, you know, he fights through that. Yeah, no, look, uh, I don't think he's in all Australian form by any stretch. Um, no. You know, his season last year was one out of the box. And, 
I guess with the injuries that he's had and whatnot, it's it's probably a bit much to uh, expect him to be in that sort of form. But unfortunately, we need him in that sort of form. And we've relied so much on him uh, to get the ball in the past, to be one of our, our main distributors. And, and you know, these stats, him not getting a clearance in the first half, I, I, I couldn't remember the last time that's happened to him. Well, that's true. He, he was doing a bit of blocking for Sloan, though, because Sloan was being tagged as well and I did notice that because Sloan had something like five in the first quarter and I remember seeing a couple of them that it was Crouchy was actually you know being that secondary one behind to do the block so I'm not that upset in terms of he was doing a role there Mm. as part of that yeah um, Smithers uh, had a fantastic game, I thought, and showed why oh, we why we miss him. Twelve kicks, seventeen handballs, uh, six marks, four tackles, three inside fifties, six rebound fifties. He worked back really well, I thought. Um, Fourteen contested possessions, which is great for him. Went at nearly eighty percent disposal efficiency. Um, six hundred meters gained, six score involvements, twelve intercept possessions. Wow, um, do you know <laughs> we could have done do with him last year. Phoenix, do you know that, that that's his second game back from a knee reconstruction? Yeah, I know, Did right? Did you know? I know, right? Yeah. Who would have thought? Well, I had to keep telling us every time we got the ball. It's his second game back. It's actually his fourth, you dipshits. He's played two in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but, uh, some of those handballs, if you want to talk about proactive, they were amazing. Yes, absolutely. Um, they were beautiful, beautiful handballs. And I love the fact that they decided they were going to um, tag Led and Smithers went, okay. And then they got, and the second half went, well, we, we've got to hang on, swap him on to Smith. And, oh, hang on, that means we let Laird go. But, uh, you, can't, you can't take either of them. Smith was, Smith was comfortably our best player, I thought. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, I agree with that. Uh, do you know what it looked like to me? It looked like Smith is a bloke who hasn't been around for all the doldrums at the beginning of the year and all the collective mind bullshit and all the... And so he's come in on last year's form. Like, yeah, fresh, fresh as a daisy. Yeah. <laughs> but play- he just wants to play. Yeah, Give know, him that ball. He just, just wants to play. I think it actually shows you how devoid of confidence the rest of the team is, though, because he, he stood out for for his willingness to take the game on and to be proactive and be aggressive with his ball movement and whatnot. And it was in stark contrast to a lot of our other players, and yet it reminds you that that's exactly how we were playing last year when we were on top of our game. So... It's, it's quite interesting, I felt, to, to see him take the game on where a lot of our other blokes uh, didn't want to do it. Yeah, well, you know, he believes he can do it and uh, he can do it. Oh, he, he can do he's it. A, he's a quality player. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Rory Led, you mentioned, uh, did get tagged, but I, I felt like he was still uh, pretty serviceable. Um, yeah. He had 16-9 for 25, had six marks, three tackles, uh, three rebound 50s. Um, he went at 80% uh, disposal efficiency, only five contested possessions, but was a bit of a general back there. Uh, was getting sat on, but uh, still gained us 450 metres and seven intercept possessions as well. Um, just a, He's just Mr. Consistent, really, Rory Laird. Yeah, no. he, he, did, he did have a few... Idiotic moments, but he does that every so often. Um, what I found quite funny was, you know, one of the first free kicks was to Laddie being held, um, and then he got another free kick. 
and then he got another free kick, which meant they had to back off that tag a little bit. They couldn't do what um, Port were to start off with. So the umpires actually love him. They want to give him free kicks, which is kind of funny. He was like, can you pay out? Could you also do that same thing to our midfielders? That'd be nice. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but I found, I found that kind of interesting, which I, I think helped as well. But Lely, you can tag him, but what that means is you've got somebody on him and he's going to man up on that player anyhow because he is a defender, but he will still take that opportunity. If he can intercept, he will do it. He's too good a player. I, I, he's he's a player I don't think you can actually tag well to completely take him out. No, just, he, just by the nature of where he plays and I how he, he plays. Yeah, he reads the play very, very well too. I think he played a very good solid game actually. Yeah. Uh, the good thing, well, solid is right, Macker. I think the good thing about uh, Laird's stats, um, looking at the graph, is that uh, he was consistent over the four quarters. Um, there's no peaks and troughs there. Um, he started off a little slowly, but that's because we had a lot of the ball uh, in the first little bit. Um, but yeah. his his trend is is very solid, and uh, uh, I mean, you get what you get from uh, from Letty every week, and no one really can complain. Uh, like you say, though, Nikki, he is prone occasionally to little brain fades um, under pressure sometimes. Um, yeah. But um, by and large, uh, it's excellent. I thought. Um, what do we think? What I'm interested to hear what you guys thought of Sloney's game. Sixteen and eight for twenty-four touches, three marks, uh, six tackles, seven inside fifties, twelve clearances, um, for, uh, sorry, one rebound, fifty. Um, he had sixteen contested possessions, only went at sixty-two and a half percent, but uh, eight score involvements. Uh, turned it over a bit, uh, but got got a three hundred and thirty-five metres. Uh, over the night, what did you guys think of Sloney's game? Yeah, I thought it was a reasonable game. But I thought he, he had a good work rate, and um, he, he was also being uh, tagged pretty heavily as well. Um, but no, I was really happy with his game. Not a starry game, but but a, 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 another good, solid game. I think it's another that step forward that we've seen with him dealing with taggers. Um, I thought that's what I was really mindful of is how much they were holding him and blocking him and trying to stop him getting the run and how he was just working and working. And it's like, I'm not going to let you stop me get to this ball. I'm not going to let you stop me trying to make an impact. Um, And because he had that attention, that's always going to bring your disposal efficiency down a bit. Um, So I think we can forgive that um, in a way because of that sort of, um, what they were doing to him, but I thought it was a step forward for Rory. Didn't, um, get, a, didn't get a kick in the last quarter. Well, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, that's, to that is, yeah I'm not going to watch that last quarter that. again. I didn't realise that, but that is disappointing. But, but um, he had he had possessions though, didn't he? He had handballs. Uh, he had quite a number of handballs, but uh, didn't oh, have okay. a kick. Didn't have a kick, and I guess that's. What I was getting at, uh, I, I felt like, I felt like he um, wasn't very effective when the whips were cracking in that last quarter. Yeah, well, he needed to step up then. Yeah, well, there's some good company around him for that. For that, for that yeah, I know, but I'm talking about Sloney. He's a leader. He wants to be captain of the club. Um, it's a game that we had to win. Uh, we're in in the hunt, and he didn't get a kick in the last quarter. 
Well, you say he didn't get a kick, but at least he did get some possession. So um, it's a little bit coloured by the fact that saying he didn't have a kick. No, no, no. But, but uh, I guess what I'm getting at, Macca, is um, it's a game. Say- it's, it's this midfield cohesion. I, you know, Rory is a beautiful long kick of the ball. Um, and he seemed to be playing a lot inside. He got a lot of contested ball, um, you know, so you can't, you can never knock Sloaney's efforts, and I'm not knocking his effort. But are we, we don't seem to have designated inside, outside. It seems to change on a regular basis, and like I said to you earlier, the fact that Huey only had three centre bounce uh, appearances in that second half and yet we're, we're burning Sloney on the inside where Sloney can be so damaging on the outside. To me, the whole midfield setup is just wrong. It doesn't work. No, well, that I will agree with. I just don't. And the other thing, that we, we have a very bad habit if there's a loose ball and if there's four of us there, four of us will all hunt the ball. Nobody on the outside, if they get it, bang, out to a loose player on the outside. But I think and, that's uh, what I'm saying, Mac. Yeah, yeah you're, saying, you're saying we don't have an appropriate structure. That's right. There's no designated roles. There's, it doesn't seem to be um, um, communication between the players. Like, you know, the, the, these this group of midfield uh, players have been together for a while and they've been under the same midfield coach for a while now. If If any, if any part of our team should be running like a like a well-oiled machine, it's our midfield, and yet it's not, in my view. Sources winning ruck hit-outs and not getting hit-outs to advantage. We, as you say, we get we get dragged into the ball. We we have the wrong players on the inside and the outside of the ball. We, I mean, we play Greenwood and, and CEY and Matt Crouch, and yet CEY and, and Greenwood are hardly cited inside the contest and are hardly used inside the contest. Why do we pick them if we're not going to play them in the roles that they're suited for? Absolutely, no, I can't argue with that. And um, I, I was we started off okay in the midfield, but uh, as the game wore on, well, we started to look very raggedy, baggedy, and uh, very disappointing. I thought because we did win centre clearances uh, in the first half, and the second half got slaughtered. Now, what's your view on on that? Nikki, you're 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 very observant when it comes to these things. What what do you think about that? No, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. That it's there's such a mix up all the time, and it's trying to figure out who's doing what. Um, and previous years, it's been so easy to see who's who's in particular roles. There's so much change up going on. I'm having trouble following it and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I, I do think. As much as the boys have loved Campo, he did a great thing for us um, in a very hard time at our club. I do think for a midfield coach, he can't be part-time. I would actually like to see a change up and, and, yeah. and uh, I, us I to wish it well and bring Franco into the midfield. I'd like to see what Franco can do. Yep. Good agree point. With that. I agree with that. Yep. Yep. Um, look, uh, just on the midfield uh, theme, Gibbs had 13 and 7 for 20. Um Played a lot on the wing, according to those stats uh, that I mentioned previously. Two marks, uh, seven tackles, uh, three inside 50s, three clearances, uh, one rebound 50. Uh, look, he had 10 contested possessions, only went at 65%, which was a little bit low for him. Um, eight score involvements, 334 metres gained, and a couple of intercepts. Um, 
I felt like Gibbs was probably one of the few who really, really tried to get involved in the game in the second half uh, when the game was there to be won or lost. Um, he was uh, he was my best player, I think, in the third quarter. Uh, just watching that, even though we were getting spanked, he just seemed to be a, trying to be a bit more involved. Um, and, yeah, yeah, but he didn't trying. have a lot of friends. He, was, well, he, he had seven tackles, and um, uh, I thought he was very, very good at being alert as to where the ball was going. Yeah, the, I agree with that, Macca. And uh, we're seeing some of our guys don't seem to have they, – they react at the last minute, whereas Gibbs has just got that perception a little bit earlier. And uh, he, he – well, seven tackles. I remember and some of those tackles just swallowed him up the minute they took the ball because he had read it that way. And uh, uh, I, I think he could be used a bit more around the ball. Like you said, he, he, he's not used a lot in the, in the centre square. Um, he's used basically out on the wing. Sometimes he's half forward. Sometimes he's up in the forward pocket. Um, somebody's in the back lines. Um, I, he doesn't seem to have an absolute designated role. Maybe it's for a purpose. I don't know. But uh, Campo doesn't know how to use him. No, no he doesn't. Well, I think no. I think he, it's a, it's a Carlton syndrome. He's such a good player that you you say, oh, how can we cover this? I oh, will stick will stick Bryce there. Basically, that seems to be what's happening with him. Poor bugger. And he was coming here hoping to get away from that. Yeah. Well, and there's no need for that to be the case. We've got enough depth in our midfield that we can give him a role. And really, to me, he needs to be that distributor um, in in the in the centre uh, area and around stoppage. Um, but too many times he, he's one, one step away from the play, if you know what I mean. He's not that first give out and... When we do use I can't remember which game it was, but we use him sort of on defensive side of centre at centre stoppages. Um, Nick, you probably remember. And he got three or four clearances uh, in a row just because he was... Oh, yeah, he went blinter. Yeah, you know what oh. I'm talking about, don't you? Yes, I know, but I can't remember which game it was. But, yeah, he just went, nah, nah, not letting you. Yeah. See, this, this is my ball. Th- this, this game, he did not get one centre clearance. I mean, he wouldn't have because he wasn't there. That, and that's what I mean, Mako. This again, like, we, but he was there for for half of, of the centre bounces, and he was on the wing for the other. It's like starting off the back of the square, but not one, not one centre clearance. Now, did we get him for that purpose? If we're not, I, if he didn't get a clearance up until nearly half time. Not. In, in either way. And I think it's because of the way they had him positioned. I don't think it's a knock on Bryce at all. No, I, we certainly I don't believe we're using him to, to the maximum anyhow. That's, that's just my opinion. So, you know, it's just an observation that I've had with Bryce over the last month or so. It seems to be, And with our midfield in general, there just doesn't seem to be any real... Um, we, know, we almost use him like a spare parts player, you know, you know. Yeah, use him a bit here and a bit there and a bit there. And the guy's a gun. You, yeah. you know, we just got to work out where you get the maximum out of him playing there. Yep, that's right. Can, and we, can we talk about something positive now? Yep, sure. Our defenders. I was just about to get to that um, because we had uh, Cheney, um, Dude, uh, Keithy. I thought all played well. Um, I, f- I felt like yep. we were a little bit outmatched um, and really suffered because of uh, Talia's absence. Uh, but I felt like Duday uh, stepped up pretty well, 
considering he probably had to play a bit taller than he has had to do for the majority of the season. Um, and yeah, Keith- on Himmelberg. And I, I thought I thought he actually stood in pretty well on Himmelberg, who's yeah. a hard player to match up on. He's a gun, Himmelberg. If Elliot, if Elliot turns out him. like bloody Harry, then uh, we're, he's in good nick because uh, he's an absolute jet, I reckon. Yeah, he's, he's got everything going for him, young Harry, hasn't he? He's, he's, gonna, he's, a, really, he's a quality player because... He, you could use him in so many different roles. But, you know, they've got the luxury of using him up forward in a forward pocket, basically. And I actually thought um, Keithy actually played Cameron really well. Uh, it was interesting, though, that um, even when they, they pushed Cameron up higher, Keith stayed back. Keith's role was to be that full back, whoever it was. Um, so we were happy to do that switch, and that's when Dude A would then go on to Cameron. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the one the one thing we did miss was Talia is a great organiser in the back line. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, that's a couple of times we got caught out, and I'm sure that if Talia had been there, we wouldn't have been caught out because he, he, not, he not only is a great stopper, Talia, but he is a, a good organiser of who goes where. Yeah, agree with I that, Cheney, Yeah, Cheney was doing that role. And I thought Cheney was actually did a, a decent-ish um, job at that. But you're, you're absolutely spot on there, Macca. I did find something very interesting at quarter time. Um, Cheney was going to the bench, but he was quite animated. You could actually see it on the vision talking to Source and obviously telling him about positioning because Lob was getting down there. And Cheney was obviously telling him where he needed to be to stop that. And we then controlled that second half. And there was a change-up in the defence. Um, etc. So I, I found that quite interesting. Um, just another player I'd like to touch on quickly is uh, Jordan Gallucci. Um, interesting game, 10 and 1 for 11, three marks, uh, three tackles, um, only the one clearance. Uh, where else are we? Three contested possessions, only went at 45% disposal efficiency, uh, four score involvement, so nearly 200 metres gained. The thing, the reason I'm bringing up Gallucci is that something I've noticed about him is that he's always around the place at the back end of games. Have you guys noticed that? He's, it starts very oh, you quietly. Stole, yeah. You have stolen my bloody line. That's, oh, sorry. I was going to raise that very same point and ask you what was the breakup of his stats because to me it, it seems like he always plays his best football in the last quarter when everybody else is starting to tire. And he's got that pace and acceleration, and all of a sudden he starts standing out. Which he's got the pace, acceleration, and he's got the endurance. Yes, obviously. That's a really nice mix because a couple of those things he was doing, he thinks, and he thinks so quickly. I was going to ask you, what was the breakup of his stats? Have we got that? that His disposals were pretty even. His disposals were pretty even, but um, his uh, contested possession numbers uh, and possession numbers in general in that last quarter, that's where all his activity really ramps up. Um, Mm. You know, and when so many of our players sort of went missing sort of through the third quarter and into the last quarter, Gallucci was one that didn't. And I, I just... It's one of the reasons why I really like the look of him because it's about four or five games now where he's not only is he noticeable, but he's quite instrumental uh, at the back end of games. And it's a really good quality to have, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm, you know what I'd like to see in these last couple of games? 
I want to see him in the centre for a couple of yeah. bounces. Yeah. I really want to see him in there. Because yeah, there, there's some pace we're missing. Yep. Oh, he's got, he's got lovely, lovely pace. And um, the one thing he, he's very, very good at, good at too, is getting the ball onto the boot quickly. Because yeah. he can, because he's either foot. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we've prattled on about that for long enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's let's get to our awards, shall we? Because uh, there's a few there uh, that qualify for a. Breakout award. <laughs> um, yeah, no one really, even um, WMJ was sort of patchy. Uh, uh, Hugh Greenwood didn't probably get involved as much. Today uh, was I, I solid. I, I actually quite like some of the stuff Wayne was doing, though. Oh, yeah, um, no doubt. Yeah. And nice that they finally figured out that, that he's got a really good fend off. <laughs> Not that it's helped them a, at all. No, he did, he did one very nice fend off there. Yeah, no, that's what and I mean. Was, yeah. It, yeah, and it was just like, no, go away. Oh, hang on, you're there. No, go away. Yeah, the thing I, I think I like about Wayne's work of late is that his disposal efficiency is, has been very, very good. Um, and his metres gains have improved. He got 350 again for us. So, I mean, he's becoming really effective for us across half-back there. And now that we've got Smithers back, you know, it's just such a shame we don't have Seisman as well. We've got some really um, good ball users and, and penetrating ball users uh, off that half-back line. Any, anyone, no else, that. A, anyone else? Anyone uh, else? I mean, it's probably out of Miller and Duday, do you think, for breakout this week? Lucky Murphy had a good first half, but then kind of died away a little bit. Well, that's because we turned him into a defensive player in the second half. Mm. Um, and, and he did. He kind of shut Whitfield out a bit. Um, so he did that that right kind of thing. Um, I I like Murphy. I think he's got a lot to offer. And we haven't seen the best of him yet. Yeah, agree with um, that. But I, for me, actually, I, I think the one who just kind of just took that little bit more of a, a, a step forward in terms of his consistency, I think, was Wayne. Ahead of um, Duday. Ahead of Duday. What do you reckon, Mac? Um, oh yeah, I gave it to Miller. Miller? That's Wayne. Yep. You, do you know his first name? All right, Wayne. <laughs> Junior or Hatchling? <laughs> Hatchling. <laughs> All right, so Miller for the uh, breakout award. That uh, is reasonably good. Uh, the next one is best on ground. So let's uh, have a think about that because I think Miller... Probably in the best three, but uh, certainly not in contention for this one. Thoughts? Smithers. Smithers easily. Smithers easily. No love at all for Gibbs. No, um, it, uh, he was good in that third. I thought he was like probably that most proactive. I love that word. Um, kind of one in the third, but overall for the whole game, Smithers that was just that was back to getting close to his best. Yeah, to me it was Smithers one, uh, Gibbs two. 
Yeah, that's probably how I saw it as well, to be honest with you. Um, next one's going to be interesting, though, because uh, there's a couple of candidates and one very high-profile candidate, I think, that uh, we'll be talking about. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what, what we're going to do about this guy. Thoughts? Uh, well, we had a few candidates here too. Uh, you know, you could look at E, you could look at uh, CEY, but yeah, tech wins it hands down. Um, for me, and it's who Miley has just nominated, it's Campo. Every, we've spent how long talking about that lack of cohesion, all the problems in our midfield. Nobody's got those set roles. We don't quite know what's going on. So for me, it's got to be Campo. Yeah, this is a players' award, Nikki, and yeah, I don't I disagree with you about Camparelli. But I've, we given can't it, left... I've, I've given it to him before because that yeah, was where we lost it. That's where we lost it. Well, simply. While you're right, Nikki, it is a players' award. So who's your player? You're trying to duck it. No, I'm not because there's quite a few. I mean, I know people have had a go a bit at Atkins, but it was when we did see him, he was doing some okay-ish things. It wasn't a game so much outside for us. So I think that caused a, a bit of problems for him. Cam was just too fumbly in the first half, which was yeah. such a pity because I really do like him. Yeah, very fumbly. really I, do like him. But I actually felt our whole team was fumbly in the first half. It's okay. I've actually lived in Canberra. I've actually played football. Yeah, I assumed it was <laughs> conditions. Oh, it is so hard, so hard because your fingers are freezing. Um, I actually went out and invested in a pair of gloves because that was the only way I could stop fumbling. It it is actually probably if you're going to play games there quite regularly, bloody wear gloves. Yeah. Look, I... um, Ellis Yeoman, I think, gets a bit of a, a, a let off because of the way it was used. Um, yeah. What, what's like Tex? I'm willing to give Tex the benefit of the doubt in terms of his season because he's been hampered. But next year yeah, is going to so. be a pivotal year for Tex Walker, um, whether he retains the captaincy or not. Um, That's up to the players. Well, it is up to the players. Although, I mean, that can change at any time. Pikey might decide to pull rank. Um, and I think the players only put forward their nomination, don't they? I'm not sure. Um, I don't quite remember no, how that vote. works with us. They, 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 they do put, I think, I'm trying to remember what it is, but the players actually vote on it. Mm. Yeah, and they, uh, they do vote on the captain. When when, when Walshy was there, Walshy uh, removed that. and it was Walshy, Walshy appointed him. Walsh's, Walsh's selection only. Uh, yep, and, and then and so the Pikey, following year. Pikey reintroduced uh, the voting for captain. Yeah, yeah, and and he's been the easy, easy winner from the players. Yeah, well, I don't know if they have a vote this time around. I don't know whether he'll be such an easy winner. Yeah, PJ is saying that the, the players nominate the group and the coach decides the captain. That might well be right. Uh, 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 I know that uh, with Walsh. Uh, Walsh, Walsh definitely used to have a final say. So yeah. I don't know whether the Pikey's doing that or not. 
Yeah, I, I had a I had a sneaking suspicion that the coach did have some sort of veto or some sort of overarching, um, you know, nomination or something or other. But by and large, it's a player's decision. But I mean, I think that I think Tex actually deserves a season where he doesn't have to worry about the captaincy and he can actually get himself right because at the moment, like. <clears throat> I've always thought that Tex is a very similar fool to Jack Revolt, probably not as strong uh, in contested situations, but certainly as that, as that medium-sized, leading, hard-leading uh, forward, uh, Tex and, and Jack are very similar. When was the last time you saw Tex Walker play like Jack Revolt's playing at the moment? Uh, no, I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. Probably about two three years ago, we had... He started a season in absolutely dominant form. Yeah, then he hurt his foot. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's a real pity, and, you know, I, I'm not bagging Tex because, like, he's a champ and he's been a fantastic leader of the club, and I think he actually deserves, for his own benefit, um, to uh, have the demands of the captaincy taken away from him. Uh, so that he can actually work on getting his uh, getting his body right and having a good season and playing to his potential because at the moment, quite frankly, he's a liability and there are forwards pushing up McGovern and Hilmelberg are pushing for spots and Fogarty. Uh, there's going to come a point where he's no longer best 22. Well, and on current form, that's absolutely correct. And uh, I think, as, as it has been suggested by a couple in the chat, it might be a good thing for text to voluntary uh, yeah. say, I'm, I'll, I'm hand the captaincy back for this year so that I can concentrate on getting my fitness up and my form back yep. and make it, making a positive contribution to the side on the field and, uh, and concentrate on that. And I think that would be uh, good for him and it also be good for us. And yep. then I think that uh, Rory, Rory, I believe, is our spiritual leader and I think that... Uh, uh, he would then be probably voted as the next captain if, if that if Tex did do that, and I think that would be better for all parties. You go along with that, Nick? It, it's a bit hard because I do know a few things, like from the inner circle, and I know all the extra stuff that he does do. But and I do agree with you that it's his injuries have not helped this year no. and, and I think he's felt he's had to put himself out there um, and we have pointed out that we actually often do even when he hasn't been playing well he still actually helps to straighten up that forward line and control it mm. um, but he didn't look quite right on Saturday night uh, which was it's such a pity because I love him as a player um, and, and I think he has a lot to offer and I think he could still be captain again next year. It's just we need to rest him. We need to get his body right, let him have the preseason that he deserves. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely would like to see him not be the captain for his own sake and for our sake and for the team's sake. Yep. All right, well, we're nearly at the end, but, uh, of course, we have uh, a very special segment uh, coming up. (laughs) 
I, I think the one that just epitomizes what the cockwombling thumbnail was created for was something that was particularly stupid and made us laugh. And that has to be Port Adelaide for leading a game for the entirety of the playing time and losing it. I mean, that that's just the absolute definition of the cockwombling numnup. Um, it's, it's hard to go past, isn't it? Yeah, it is really hard to go past. I would like to give an honourable mention to the uh, Eagles SANFL on-ground announcer who keeps calling us the Camry Crows. It's like, honey, <laughs> um, we're not in the 90s anymore. Yeah, um, he sure also started at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Hibbleberg marked just before the siren. So he's having a kick from the goal square. And the guy starts shouting away and going on. The Eagles have finished the first quarter and they're leaving. And meantime, Hibbleberg kicks the goal. We're all just sitting going, <laughs> dude, no, you might want to pay attention to what's going on on the ground. Um, he's shocking that dude. <laughs> so he gets a nomination. He gets a nomination. Yeah, there is another very worthy nomination, and that was the field umpire who uh, there was a shot for goal by, uh, I think it was GWS, um, which missed the uh, goal post probably about a foot into oh, the Oh, man, that was the goal umpire. The, the goal umpire got lost. No, no. It was, no, it was, a, it was a field umpire, Nick. No, the, it was a field umpire. The goal umpire uh, signalled a point, and the field umpire then uh, ran in and said he was going to ask for a score review. It was and then crazy. He t- talking, he said, <laughs> "I'd like to check whether that was a point or was it out of bounds on the full." It was <laughs> crazy. Point, you dipshit. And it's missed the goal post by about one foot. And I've never seen I've anything seen like it. That, well, I think that you know that guy has got to get. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's a good one because there was also the one Ray Chamberlain where he called the touch and then wanted it checked. Yeah, yeah. You oh, yeah. called it. Yeah, he, he wanted, you he, called he, it, Ray. Back yourself. Yeah, he made the decision then they wanted it checked on the, on the replay. But I, but I thought that one, um, I, I love Port Adelaide getting these things, but um, perhaps we'll just give a little honorary one to that, to that field umpire for being a bloody dickhead. <laughs> Uh, the other one is uh, uh, Barty Magic actually gets a gold star for his going to... Jenkins thought it was out in the fall. <laughs> who, did, Barty Magic. who did? He, oh. <laughs> no, 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 he's been funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well done, Barty Magic. Um, but there was... Oh, I mean, somebody said the AFL, uh, the AFL for the AFLW stuff up. It's like, no, the Gil actually won. the. He's won it for the whole year just on that stupidity and a little bit earlier. Um, some of the stuff the AFL's done, so that's why they're not getting a nomination this week, even though it's slightly carried on, but that's been and done. Um, somebody actually said that Sam McClure said McGovern got dropped. Um, no, dude, he's coming back from injury. Sam McClure would not know what bloody day it was. <laughs> it, it would seem to me that part he, of He wouldn't term. know it ends in a day. But it seems to me like, like part of his terms of employment are to try and uh, raise uh, speculative, nasty rumours about the Crows and, and that, the, that they have all these troubles. Uh, it seems to be he's full-time at it. Yeah, I think so. Well, no, he just hates us because he's a Carlton supporter and we've taken all their good players. He should hate himself for being one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're giving it to the pair, are we? Oh, yeah. the pair has to have it because that was just the epitome of a cock wombling numbnut. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did make did make my day. Oh, very good, very good. 
All right. Well, uh, that just about uh, wraps us up, doesn't it? It's uh, been an interesting good show. hour and a half. Good hour. Well, it's always a good hour and a half with us. But uh, look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might have uh, sounded a little bit distracted here tonight because I'll tell you what, I've been clicking things left, right, and centre, trying to get this stupid Facebook thing. For those who are listening, there's six people listening on Facebook at the moment, and I hope you're bloody happy with uh, what we've been able to put up because it's been driving me crazy. <laughs> but uh, look, don't forget to listen to us uh, on demand on Facebook or uh, on Spreaker or any number of other platforms uh, that uh, we appear on. We're on TuneIn, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on iTunes. Uh, you can leave us a, a review on iTunes uh if you so desire, uh, of course, we will have uh, Tuesday Night Live again back on Tuesday night. But uh, in the meantime, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Nikki and Maka. No, pleasure to be here. Well, of course, it's a pleasure Same. to be here. You're here with me. <laughs> night, <Not> all. <laughs> it's it's bad that. It was good, yeah. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> See you Tuesday night, guys. <laughs>